Now it's time for your feature reports. Up first, we have a podcast from the League of Women Voters titled Civic Conversations. In today's segment, host Jim Allison talks to guest George Hegman, Professor Emeritus of Microbiology at Indiana University. Hegman is a longtime advocate and member of the League of Women Voters Redistricting Committee. The topic today is gerrymandering. For more, we turn to the latest installment of Civic Conversations on WFHB. You're listening to Civic Conversations, a podcast collaboration between the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County, and WFHB. And I'm Jim Allison, your host. We are pleased to say that you can find Civic Conversations each month on WFHB at 93.1 and 98.1 FM. Today, we welcome George Hageman of the League's Redistricting Committee to talk about gerrymandering. George, thanks for being here today. Hi, Jim. Now, George, gerrymandering is not new. It goes all the way back to the founding fathers. But modern technology has enabled both parties to gerrymander like never before when the states draw up their district election maps. In fact, according to the Brennan Center for Justice, many of our most recent maps lock in a comfortable majority of the legislative seats for one side, even when voters are split evenly between parties. George, it seems like every time a big election approaches, we start to hear about gerrymandering. For new voters and voters who might have forgotten, why don't you give us a simple definition of gerrymandering? And we'll want to know how to recognize it when we see it. We'll want to know how it affects representative government. We'll want to know how it affects the value of your vote. We want to know what voters can do about it, and we want to know how we stand in Indiana. So what is gerrymandering, and how did it get that name? Gerrymandering is partisan redistricting. When the boundaries of voting districts are drawn or redrawn to favor one party or candidate over others, that's gerrymandering. Gerrymandering got its name back in 1811 when Elbridge Gerry, a signer of the Declaration of Independence and an early governor of Massachusetts, directed the drawing of a map of the districts around Boston that favored one party. The shape of the resulting district was said to look like a monstrous lizard or a salamander, and so the name gerrymander was born. Okay, so that's how I got its name. And you can gerrymander a state's congressional representation or its state legislature by drawing district election maps a certain way. So can you tell a gerrymander just by looking at those maps, and if so, how? Well, gerrymander districts don't often look like salamanders on maps. But districts in Indiana, for instance, only have to have equal populations, comply with the Federal Voting Rights Act, and be contiguous, that is, have a single boundary. They're not necessarily drawn with a compact form. Uh, This means that long, skinny districts, ones that curl around cities, or that divide up population centers like slices of a pie, are likely to be gerrymanders. The principles of gerrymandering are quite simple. Uh, Electoral advantage can be achieved by either packing or cracking. When packing, you draw the district lines to include as many members of the opposing group of voters as possible in a small number of districts, thus removing them from influencing the vote in a number of nearby districts. When cracking, you divide up a compact area populated mostly by members of the opposing party and join the cut parts to areas dominated 
by your party, thereby suppressing the opposition votes by dilution. Okay, so that's how it's done. Let's bring it down to the level of the individual person, though. How does that impact the value of a person's vote? Well, if you live in a gerrymandered district, that becomes a safe district for one of the parties. The outcome of elections in that district is predictable. Voters, therefore, lose interest in elections. New ideas brought by young, eager candidates are not brought forward. Winning representatives from the district are not motivated to listen to the citizens that they represent because they know that they'll win as long as they're nominated by their party. And this moves the elections into the primaries where very few citizens and almost none of the citizens from the other party are likely to vote. So overall, gerrymandering is an effective method of suppressing the votes of the opposing party. Well, that doesn't sound constitutional at all to me. It seemed like it would be unconstitutional, isn't it? By the way, Elbridge Gerry, although he did sign the Declaration of Independence, he never signed the Constitution. <laughs> That's right. Well, gerrymandering is not unconstitutional. Uh, redrawing the electoral districts every 10 years is left to the individual states. In Indiana, that's done by a five-member committee of the Indiana House. And two members of that committee are appointed by each of the two major parties. And the fifth member is appointed by the governor. That give us, gives the governor's party control over redistricting uh, every 10 years. Okay, well, let's get back to Indiana in particular. George, what have you seen in Indiana as far as gerrymandering is concerned? Well, until 2010, Indiana was not badly gerrymandered because of a sort of gentleman's agreement. Neither party did flagrant gerrymandering because they knew that 10 years hence, they might be gerrymandered in their turn. But in 2010, a lot of money was spent by one party to win House seats, and they got their money's worth. Having won a supermajority, the Republicans were emboldened to gerrymander some districts. With Indiana split, say, almost 40 to 60 between voters of the two major parties, in 2016, the U.S. congressional district split, delegation split 22 to 78. The Indiana State Senate was 18 to 82, and the Indiana State House split 3070. As another example, Peggy Welch, a popular local incumbent, lost her seat in 2012 after district redrawing in 2011. And the city of Bloomington and much of Monroe County is cracked now, being divided into five electoral districts that represent few or no logical uh, boundaries. And the local state Senate seat may be considered an example of packing. Okay, so we've got it. No doubt about it. We've got it here in Indiana. Which raises another question. Do you think that gerrymandering has affected voter turnout in Indiana? It sure does. In, in 2014, voter turnout in Indiana was only 29%, lowest in the nation. In 2016, uh, 32 out of 100 Indiana House candidates ran unopposed, as did, as did 8 of 25 state Senate candidates, which shows you the level of competition. Voter turnout in that presidential election year, 2016, was a lowly 58%. Okay, we've got it. So this raises another question. What efforts are underway to address gerrymandering in Indiana? 
Well, the, there are some efforts. Um, a coalition of nonpartisan groups is formed called All In in Indiana to advocate for a citizens-based nonpartisan redistricting process. Common Cause and the League of Women Voters are major players in this effort. A nice article about local efforts appeared on page A10 of the Herald Times last Saturday, the 12th of September. And apart from advocacy to shame the Indiana House toward a nonpartisan redistricting system, similar to that adopted by almost half of the other states, there is an effort being mounted to draw a number of different and less partisan maps to compete with those that the House Committee uh, will draw in 2021. Relentless pressure from concerned Hoosier voters is needed. But there's also an effort being made on the national scene. And in 2019, August 2019, former President Obama and his Attorney General, Eric Holder, launched a movement called All on the Line as a way of obtaining what they call fair maps. They have an organizational subunit called Redistricting You, and this is an organizing uh, training group that holds webinars and sends out representatives to uh, uh, local areas to show them how to get fair maps during redistricting process, which will occur next year. Well, that sounds pretty uh, pretty encouraging, George. It sounds like people are starting to wake up to this really bad problem of gerrymandering. And it's something that every citizen should keep his eye on, as you probably let the legislators know that they're, they're doing exactly that, keeping their eyes on what the legislators do about this. That's right. So thanks very much, George, for all this information. This has been very useful. Thanks for listening to us on Civic Conversations. This is Jim Allison of the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County. The League is a nonpartisan grassroots organization, citizen-led, that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all citizens in the decisions that impact their lives. Next month, join us when we talk about the upcoming November 3rd election with Karen Wheeler. Karen is the election supervisor for Monroe County.